Happy Monday to you, Reclamation Church. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Monday sermon episode. We're so excited to continue the series called Keep Your Chin Up. We're going to be hearing from our senior pastor here, Tom Wilson, as he talks about being guarded by God's peace. If you have your Bible with you and you're following along with us, we're actually going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 today. And if this is your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, I'd like to invite you to visit our website at re.church. That being said, let's listen into this amazing sermon that Pastor Tom has for us about God's peace. I'm so excited about this sermon, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's listen in. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? You know, what is so cool to me is every Sunday we get a little and little closer back to kind of, shall we say, normal, right? Every Sunday grows a little bit bigger. We have a little more people. We see some fresh faces, and we are so glad you guys are here. Uh, shout out to those who are online also. We're glad you guys could be joining us. We're actually in the middle of a series. We're week number two of a series we're calling Keep Your Chin Up, and we're talking about, shall we say, the negativity that comes along with the pandemic. And uh, that series title, Keep Your Chin Up, boy, that's pretty timely, isn't it? That video to me just kind of encompasses what's going on in the world around us, and we're talking about the new normal, and I thought, boy, it'd be fun to kind of make a list, put pen to paper of what the new normal looks like in today's environment, and so who would have thought a year ago we would have a word called social distancing? I mean, that phrase would have made no sense to us with the idea of we want you to stay six feet away from anybody else. Like, well, that's kind of rude. I mean, that's not even socially acceptable. That's, I mean, here we are as a church, and what we have, for those who are at home, if you don't know this, we actually had bar coasters made that say, thou shalt not sit here. I mean, think about how rude this would have been a year ago in a church. If you went into a church and like, hey, welcome, we're glad you're here. And we're like, we don't want you to be this close to anybody else. I mean, they would have been offended, turned off, left the building immediately. But this has become the new normal. Uh, you guys are also wearing masks this morning. That's a new normal. Uh, you guys have seen the Reclamation Church mask. Think how bizarre it would have been a year ago if one of my staff members came to me like Katie Rose did this year and said, hey, can we order Reclamation Church face masks? I, I, what's the point? Are we painting? Are we doing construction work? No, it's just to wear in public and promote the church. It's just a bizarre environment we are in today. In fact, my daughter left to go have lunch with a close friend of ours about a week ago. And what do I say? Not, do you have your lunch money? Do you have your money? I said, do you have your masks? And that's totally normal in today's world, right? It's just, it's a, just a different kind of environment. Well, let's talk about hand sanitizer. Who here is becoming a connoisseur of good hand sanitizer, right? Do you like the gel? Do you like the aloe? Do you like the moisture added? There's the thicker stuff. There's the spray. We have the spray stuff here. We apologize. But it's very effective. But it used to just be hand sanitizer. Now there's accessories for hand sanitizer. Uh, what about the crazy long drive-through lines? Has anybody experienced this? People don't want to go into a sit-down restaurant, so they get in line at a drive-through. And we're talking 15, 20 cars. It wraps around the building, and that's kind of normal. It's the new normal. Uh, what about this? No large gatherings. We're all kind of done with that, I think. Uh, reduce restaurant capacity. I, for one, actually am kind of enjoying this. We went to Chili's the other night with our, our son, and it was great that, you know, no one's even 20 foot around you. We're like, wow, this is, this is all right. This is kind of a nice new normal. Um, what about, okay, this is crazy to me. No buffets. You thought about that? Will we ever see a buffet again in our lifetime? 
We will tell our great-grandchildren, there was a time that we would go to a restaurant and you would pay one price and it would just be a whole table full of food and you could just get whatever you want and just gorge yourself. What are those restaurants doing now? It's a whole new normal. Uh, we, we also understand this one, if you're high risk or if you're older, you have to stay at home and be literally kind of you know, quarantined, locked away. It's sad, but that's the reality of where we are today. Uh, here's another one, uh, Zoom weddings. I've been a, a part of a couple Zoom weddings now. That's just, it's a bizarre new normal. Uh, the ridiculous air fives, elbow bumps. I've even seen where they take the foot and they kind of like tap foot from a distance. That's the new normal. Yeah, again, people from outer space are probably watching us going, what are these people doing? That is just so weird. But that's the new normal for us. Uh, here's another one that's not quite so funny. We see statistics show that anxiety, stress, worrying, high blood pressure is skyrocketing right now. Why is that? Well, it's the new normal, right? What about this one? Uh, let me just add one more. The new normal of complaining. Anybody else seen the, heard the complaining? You see it on social media. I know you do, right? We, we complain about everything. Right? You're taking my freedoms away. Well, we're trying to keep the country safe. Well, you're trying. This is my liberty. It's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It's kind of the new normal. Right? We, we love to complain in this country. And if you're not aware of this, and I'm going to apologize in advance. This is going to impact a few people I know in our church. There's actually a new name that Generation Z has come up with to describe those who complain. Um, it's Karen. Now, if you're older, you're going... Karen? She's great. I know Karen. No, 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 no. Karen is the new Generation Z's definition of someone who complains a lot, those who are high maintenance. And so if you're watching at home, because I don't see any Karens here this morning, if you're watching at home, Karen, I apologize because Generation Z has taken your name and made a worldwide name that your name now means high maintenance complainer. Now, if you happen to not have a Generation Z translator in your home like I do, I have a couple of them, and I can go, what exactly is that? Uh, Karen, here's a quick definition I found. This is just an example of one. A woman, 45 to 60, who's upset at everything from the moment she walks into the restaurant. She isn't happy until she talks to a manager into giving her a discount or something for free. So Karen... Sucks to have your name right now. I am so sorry. Uh, so maybe consider about changing your name. Don't blame me. Blame Generation Z. But we like to complain about everything. We complain about the weather. Flashback, you know, six, seven, eight months ago. It's so cold outside. Now we're like, it's so hot outside. It's too windy. It's too blowing. It's too dry. It's too cold. It's too wet. Like we're all over the place. Let's talk about the pandemic. We complain about the pandemic, don't we? Now we have to shelter in place. Now we can't leave. Now I've got to work from home. Now I can't go to school. Listen to how bizarre that is. You go back a year ago and you ask a teenage kid, do you want to not go to school today? Sure, I'll stay home. Now they're complaining about it. Why do I get to go to school anymore? It's, it's the new normal. We have face masks, and we can complain about face masks because we can't see our emotions, and we can't, you know, we're getting face acne now. It's something else we're complaining about, and it's hot, and it's sweaty. And it's like, you can't win for losing. We love to complain as a culture. Uh, what about this one, being home too long? Again, go back about a year ago and, and ask the average person, would you like to work from home? Your boss is going to force you to work from home. Your job's probably going to be a lot easier, let's be honest. You're probably going to put a little less hours in, and you're going to be around your family. The average person's going, I'm in, baby. Sign me up, right? Now we're kind of like we're over that. 
So we're all over the place. So there is a pandemic of complaining. And this morning, what I want to talk about is there is actually a cure for this. And that cure is gratitude. Say it with me. Gratitude. Gratitude can be absolutely life-changing. Scripture talks about gratitude. Proverbs 15, 13. This is a great way this verse reads. It says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. A glad heart makes a cheerful face. So you, you don't need Botox. You don't need a face implant. You don't need a smile changeover. You just need to have a glad heart. And all of a sudden, wow, that looks a whole lot better, right? A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but a sorrow of heart, the spirit, look at this, is crushed. Now, if you look at that and say, well, that's just some kind of, you know, Bible mumbo-jumbo, and I'm not sure I, okay, there's actually medical studies. Uh, this one comes from actual psychology today. Here's what it says. There are six different things, positive things, that come from having a heart of gratitude. Let me list these out for you. Uh, gratitude eliminates toxic emotions out of your life. That sounds great. Gratitude actually reduces pain in your body. I'm in. That sounds great, right? Uh, gratitude improves sleep quality. That's good. Gratitude aids in stress regulation. Gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. And one more, gratitude actually prevents your hair from falling out. I'm lying about that one, but, but that'd be great, right? Because mine's getting a little thinner as I get older. I'm noticing that. I'm like, oh, who's going to happen, right? Um, the cool thing about gratitude is there, there really are no bad side effects. You guys have seen those commercials, you know, try blah, blah, blah. And then they have this auctioneer reading, reading off the side effects. You know, your, your limbs are going to fall off in extreme diarrhea and a dry mouth. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Gratitude, there is no side effects. It, it's, it's wonderful the way it is. And if I could talk to all of us who are here this morning that are Christ followers and those who are watching online and church online that are Christ followers, shouldn't we be the happiest people on the planet? I mean, shouldn't we? I mean, I realize it comes down to perspective, but, it, but we should be joyful and have this gratitude and this heart and this smiley face. In fact, uh, John Wesley, who was an old theologian um, and an old minister, here's one of his quotes, and I love what he says. He says, a sour Christian is a sad thing. Anybody ever meet a sour Christian? Anybody guilty of ever being a sour Christian? I mean, that's an incredibly sad thing, but let's bring it home. Let's be real. We're living in a pandemic. We live in uncertain times. There's a weirdness in the air. There's now a new normal that we never would have thought acceptable a year ago. So the truth is, okay, maybe it's pretty easy to start walking into fear and grief and frustration. All of a sudden you get there, you're like, wait a minute, now I'm complaining about the new normal. And, you know, we have to understand that we are called to, bear with me, not be a Karen. Right, Not to be high maintenance, not to be complaining about the little things, but to see the bigger picture, get the perspective and realize that as Christians, we should be smiling crazy right now, going all over the place. I want to share with you some amazing words from a guy named Tom Wilson. I know, I am Tom Wilson. Um, if you're wondering, I'm famous and I'm all over the internet, by the way. Uh, here's an incredible quote. If you'll just type in Tom Wilson, famous quotes. Here we go, ready? Tom Wilson, he says, I try not to worry about the future, so I take each day just one anxiety attack at a time. 
And you, and you think you think I photoshopped that, don't you? I didn't. This is really Tom Wilson. Now, I was born in 1975, and as I got a little older, a little older, a little older, I started hearing people say, oh, you're Tom Wilson, ha, 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 you're the guy who draws Ziggy. Now, if you're here this morning going, what the heck's a Ziggy? You have no idea because you're just a puppy, all right? I'm going to show you a cartoon. This is Ziggy. Remember Ziggy? Now, what's funny, we actually sign our names almost identical. So I really am Tom Wilson. That's not my quote, but he has a good point, right? To worry about the future is silly. Just one anxiety attack at a time. But what we're going to find out this morning is God calls us not to worry about the future and actually have a heart full of gratitude. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you guys, this, this may surprise you, I want to share with you the most highlighted verse in the entire Bible. It's a proven fact. This verse is the most highlighted verse in the entire Holy Word of God. And if you're wondering, well, how could he possibly know that? Simple. Amazon told me this, all right? Amazon actually does a study every single year, and they find out when they look at their online books, and they look at the Bible, and they find out which verse is highlighted more than anything else, it's this particular verse. Now, I'm going to share with you some words of this verse because the words are a beautiful thing. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. If you guys have your Bibles, you're welcome to open up there. Unfortunately, our physical Bibles are, are kind of on hold right now during the pandemic. But it's on the screen. You guys are welcome to open up your, your smart device. Um, and, of course, I want to remind you guys, if you go to our website, you can actually download our sermon notes. It will be on there as well. Um, Philippians 4, chapter 7. You've heard this verse. This is kind of one of my go-to verses as a pastor. I love this verse. And I want to share with you this morning two different translations. The first one is the New English translation. And here's what it says, Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, and here's actually the title of our sermon, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That sounds pretty good. Okay, now let's look at the exact same verse in the contemporary English version. Okay, now if you have your Bible or your highlighter out, you might highlight. This is, a, this, is, this is the most highlighted verse in the entire Bible. Here's what it says. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that, that no one can completely understand. I love how that's phrased. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Anybody else want to be signed up for that? Like, I, I will gladly take two pills of that with a glass of water, and I'm going to have this peace from God that transcends all understanding. And when things hit like a pandemic or job loss or, you know, the new normal or, you know, uh, COVID has now hit our, our household and we're walking through this together and now we're worried about the future or maybe it's overcoming cancer or it's heartache and it's walking through a divorce, regardless of what you're going through, what this verse says is there is a peace out there that when we get it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. That we can go, I, I, I don't really understand this. I shouldn't be okay. I should be a train wreck, but somehow I'm, I'm okay, right? That the Holy Spirit brings this peace into our life. And I want to dig into that word peace because it's actually, this is amazing to me, that same word peace is used over a hundred times in the rest of the New Testament. It's just a beautiful, beautiful word. In fact, what I want to do this morning is something we did last week. If you uh, remember last week, what we did is I, I read a, a chapter to you or a verse to you. And I said, but it's really important that we don't just look at that one verse. 
right? Remember these words, context is king. In other words, we've got to know what's going on around it, before it, the author who he's writing to, what's going on, the environment around them. We've got to dig into this. And what I want to do this morning is help you see that this verse has such a deeper meaning if we're willing to do the homework and get into it a little deeper. So we're going to dissect this verse together. Uh, let me just walk you through a couple quick uh, context things. First of all, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. We're going to go a few verses earlier, go all the way through 8 if you want to open your Bibles up. The author uh, is Apostle Paul. We learned who the Apostle Paul was last week. Uh, he actually wrote almost half of the New Testament, so you see his name a lot when it comes to sermons. But the Apostle Paul wrote it. Uh, this is a letter to the church in the Roman colony of the Philippi. We also know that Paul not only started the church, but the church is about maybe 10 years old. Okay. Now what's really interesting, <clears throat> kind of give you a glimpse on this poor guy's life, we don't really know exactly where Paul wrote this from. Now, we know that he was in jail, right? He was in prison because he even references in the earlier chapter that he is chained for Christ. So we understand that he's locked up, he's in prison. But here's the crazy thing. Paul spent so much time in prison. Most theologians believe collectively probably five years of his life he spent in prison. But he was in so many different prisons just because he says, oh, that time I was in prison, we don't know which prison it is. Isn't that crazy? Now, most theologians believe it probably was Rome, but the truth is we don't really know. But what we do know is Paul is going through a series in his life, this season in his life, that he has no idea what tomorrow holds. You talk about stress and anxiety. Now, what's crazy about this, this is a man who is talking to us about peace, anxiety. He's talking about stress. He's talking about remaining calm. God's got this. And he is going through a season of life that he doesn't know if he's going to be alive tomorrow. Am I going to be released? Am I going to be beheaded? Am I going to be stoned to death? What's going to happen tomorrow? He has no idea, and yet he writes this incredible, incredible passage. And so what I want to do is I want to walk us through we're going to kind of work through each verse by verse. I'm going to kind of give you some different words that you might want to highlight or underline. And then I'm going to dissect those words. And then if you're someone who is willing to write in your Bible, right, it's a workbook. It's okay. We can, we can write into it. You guys can make some notes of what these words mean. So uh, we're going to start in verse 4. Now understand this. Here's what he says. Uh, this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So have you ever noticed when someone says a word and then they say the word again, I mean, they're really emphasizing that word. Now, this verse is a very important, beautiful memory of mine because I did not grow up in church. Um, I was about 16 years old when I started going to church, and I ended up going to a very traditional church. It was West Amarillo Christian Church, and they sang hymns in this church, okay? Uh, anybody grow up in a church that sang hymns a lot? Okay, now what hymns are, a lot of hymns, not all of them, a lot of hymns, what they would do is they would take scripture, they would use the scripture pretty much word for word, and they would just add music to that. So you're singing Bible verses. Okay, this is a song. Does anybody know this song? Anybody in the crowd? I would have you guys at home sing along, and you're welcome to, but you may not know this song. But anybody know this song? Kim, you know this song? All right, Robin, you know this song? Uh, okay, here we go. We're going to sing it together. It's not hard. If you want to sing along, guess what? It's the words of the verse, so it's not really hard. But what you do is you sing, you go, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. 
Yes, we got some clappers. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then it goes, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And then they go, all the women, rejoice, rejoice. And you go, and you'd sing verse 1 and then 2, and you'd skip verse 3, you go to verse 4, because you always skip verse 3. There's something theological about that. I don't know why, but that's what most churches do. It's like we got to, you know, back then you had to reduce service into like, you know, into a two-hour program. And so you had to really cut back on the verse 3s. But this verse, I loved it. And it was cheesy, and it was corny, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, the girls are, oh, my gosh, the, and the deep voices, men. And we would do this thing, like, oh. And you're going, I'm just glad we have a very talented worship team, because if I was leading music every Sunday, I get it, right? But we were singing Scripture, and the Apostle Saul, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so we have to understand when this scroll would come in the mail, right, they wouldn't get a certified letter, but when the scroll was given to the church leadership and they said, the Apostle Paul has written a letter for our church, and they would put the call out, oh my gosh, we got some correspondence, we've got the letter from Paul, we're going to have a church meeting, and we're going to come together, and we're going to unroll that scroll, and we're going to read it for the whole church body to listen to. And he starts out, and he says these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, keep in mind, the church in Philippi, they're going through some issues, right? There, there's, there's, uh, there's division within the church. There's from attacks from outside the church. I mean, they have the pressure of what's going on. They're also being persecuted. I mean, there's a lot going on. And, and they're going, wait a minute, um, rejoice always? Paul, are you serious? Do you have any idea what we're going through, Paul? Now, of course, Paul, yes, would know what they were going through. And, and this is why Paul, if you go back to chapter 1, actually lists out what he's going through. And he shares his own issues. And he goes, I understand. And he actually presents himself as an example to the church of Philippi. And he says, I, I know what it is to be going through tough times. But even back then in chapter 1, here's what he says. He says, I will continue to rejoice in the Lord. Now, that word rejoice is absolutely key, and I think it's important that we understand that, that Paul is, is locked up. He doesn't know what tomorrow looks like. He has an unsure future. Right? Does it begin to sound familiar? Like, wait a minute, I, okay, okay. He, he's got a forced quarantine, but he's still quarantined. If you guys have your Bible, might underline that word rejoice, because the rejoice is, is an incredible word. In fact, in the Greek, this word is kairo. Um, I'm going to put it on the screen. It'll be on your screen at home as well. Um, now, the word rejoice in Greek, it does mean, you know, glad, to be glad, but it has a much deeper meaning than this, okay? Um, and, and let me just tell you, first of all, yeah, I took two years of Greek, um, but I'm not a Greek scholar. L let me tell you how you do this. If you're at home or you're, you're in the audience, you say, well, I would love to kind of get the deeper meaning of text. There are so many online Bible study tools now. I, I have in my closet uh, by my office, um, Bible study, you know, commentaries and books and interlinears, and, and they, are, they are all about this thick wide, um, and you've got to basically kind of blow the dust off now because you can go to a single website and, and get, it does it all for you. There's a great website called BibleHub.com, um, and there's a lot of sites out there. <clears throat> the reason I like this website is, for one, it's free, um, but what's so cool about it is you pull up the Bible verse, um, you can click on interlinear, and it'll actually have the English, and then right below it, it'll have the Greek. And then you go, well, what does rejoice mean? And, and you click on rejoice, it'll give you the Strong's number, which 
doesn't matter. You don't kind of know what that is. But it'll bring up the actual, you know, transliteration so you can kind of pronounce it in English. You don't have to know, know what Greek is or how to say Greek. And then it'll give you the definition. And so many times you look at that definition, you're like, wow, that's a lot deeper than I would have thought. It doesn't just make me be glad. There's more context to this. This is why it's so important that when we're doing Bible study, again, we, we, we do our due diligence and we look into what the actual context and meaning is. And what I want to share with you is this word kairo. Now look at this. The literal definition is to properly, to delight in God's grace. Okay, that's rejoice. It literally is to experience God's grace, favor, be conscious, be glad for his grace. And that sounds wonderful, but there's even a deeper truth. Because if you go to the root of the word Cairo, you get this word charis. Look at this. Having God's unmerited favor. A literal definition would be this. Getting something you don't deserve. And Paul's saying, rejoice. Let me say it again, rejoice. And they're going, I, I get that. We're talking about God's grace. I didn't deserve it. He gave it to me. And, and you get this very real presence that Paul's saying, regardless of the circumstances you're going through, and regardless of a pandemic and prison time and jail cells, you know, whatever, regardless of all of this, let's go back and understand that God's grace and favor if you have a relationship with Jesus, rest in your life and you can have this beautiful peace and it has nothing to do with what you brought to the party. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And look at verse 5. He says, let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is near. Again, as Paul's sitting in a prison cell, as they're sitting at church reading this scroll, as we're sitting right here in a, a limited capacity, as you're watching from home, as you're in quarantine, the Lord is near. And then go to verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And this is where we go, whoa, 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 Paul. We can't even be anxious about anything? I mean, do you have any idea what's going on around us? That's the next verse, or next word I want to dissect is that word anxious. And so if you guys have, again, your highlighter, your pen, uh, underline that, circle that. Um, so here's what anxious means. It means this word in the Greek. It's this word mermiano, uh, to mean concerned or worried. Again, which, you know, that, that makes sense. I mean, don't be anxious, don't be worried, don't be concerned. But then it gives us this, this, this visual image of what it looks like. Uh, even more beautiful. I love what this word means. It means to be drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts. Look at this, to go to pieces, right? It means to be pulled apart in different directions. That's a pretty good definition of anxious, right? Right now, there are families who are anxious, and they are being pulled apart in different directions. I mean, relationally, physically, right? I, I know of grandparents who can't be with their grandkids because they can't be anywhere near them because they're high risk. Right? I know of parents who can't be with their kids. We know what it means to be pulled apart figuratively and reality and relationally. Right, And so regardless of what's going on for you, maybe you're worrying about your job, you're worrying about your health, you're worrying about your finances. We know what it means to be pulled apart in all directions. That's anxiety. And then look what he says. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But he says, but in every situation. Now I want to push pause for a minute. Because if you remember last week, we dissected a word, everything. In fact, I want to show you guys last week's verse real quick again. This is Romans 8.28. 
And here's what Paul says, that God can take, say it with me, everything. You, you mean everything I'm going through now? Everything. The goods, the bads, the highs, the uglies, the pretties, everything. He could take everything and work them together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And God's using everything. So back to verse 6. Paul says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, look at this, in every situation, through prayer and through petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. Now, now stick with me, track with me, because this, this gets really cool. Okay, The next word, thanksgiving. Underline it, circle, whatever you want to do with it. Let's dissect this word. You get this word, eucharista. It does mean thankful, okay? But again, go deeper into the Greek literal definition. Um, here's what it says. So again, it says God's unmerited favor, his grace. It means the giving of thanks for God's grace. And it's not just being thankful your water bill got paid. We're being thankful for God's grace, right? We see that word. Now look at this. Here's what's cool. That word eucharista. I have it underlined. What's the middle word there? See that word charis? We've already talked about that word. Do you see that? It actually comes full circle. It's actually within that word. The giving of thanks for God's grace. And these things, these emotions, these attitudes, they stem not from my circumstances, but from something deeper in my life. The fact that God dwells within me if I have a relationship with Jesus. The fact that his grace lives right here and I can be happy I can have gratitude regardless of the storm, you know, whirling around my head because there's grace in my life. And again, Paul is writing this from a prison cell. He's saying, I'm locked up, right? But the truth is these circumstances, I'm going to rejoice all day long. And if you go back to the beginning of this book, what I love about this book is he's trapped, he's locked up. But what is he doing? He's serving the Lord. He's preaching to, to, uh, to his prison guards. He's winning them over for Christ. I mean, he's rejoicing every single day, and they're scratching the head going, I don't get this, right? But God's grace, his charis, in that we find the, the ability to rejoice. And then with all of that set up, with all of that context, with all of that, those, those meanings, then we finally get to our key verse. And then he says in verse 7, he says, now look at this. And I just want this to kind of settle over you. He says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That sounds pretty good, right? I love what Dr. Martin Luther King said. Here's, here's one of his quotes. He says, God is able to give you the power to endure that which cannot be changed. Right, that's peace. Why be anxious? He says, come what may, God is able Regardless of what's thrown at you, our God is able to bring you through the other side. So one final word study. It's that word peace. Now this is a beautiful word. I love this word. This word is used again another 100 times in the New Testament. Um, the opposite, and this was cool. Uh, the peace in the Greek is actually the opposite of the word anxious. What was anxious? It's just ripping me apart. It's pulling me apart. It's pulling all of us apart. Now look at this. Anxiety is being pulled apart in many directions. But look at this. This word in the Greek, this word irene, this word irene, this is what it says. It means to join or to tie together in a whole. Okay, a anxious is being ripped apart. Peace is being brought together and brought together in a whole. When all essential parts are joined together, there is peace. 
It's God's gift of wholeness. So what you find is that the peace of God comes from the relationship with God. And I can illustrate this in another way. Um, There is a, shall I say, a cheesy bumper sticker in the Christian world. And you've probably seen this bumper sticker around. I'm going to put it on the screen. You've seen this. Maybe you guys have this on your car, and I'm actually offending you right now. It's okay. It's a little cheesy, but it is absolutely true. Look what it says. No Christ, no peace. But then you see what they do there? They, They drop in the K, they drop in the W, but no Christ, no peace. Pretty clever, right? You're going, that, did you guys get it? You guys, you guys capture the idea of this bumper sticker. All right. No Christ, no peace. But if you know Christ, you can finally know peace. Yeah, a little cheesy, but incredibly accurate. And see, what Paul tells us is regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the storm, regardless of the prison sentence, regardless of the whipping and the beating and the flogging and the stoning and the shipwrecks, I mean, Paul has a whole list. What about us? Regardless of the anxiety and the stress and the pandemic and the new normal, and every time you get an email from your boss, you're worried it's about layoffs, and regardless of am I going to be able to pay the rent next month, and regardless of, you know, the pandemic and what's going on, regardless of all of that, In the midst of all of this chaos, we can still find peace because we understand we have a relationship with Christ. And because of that, he dwells within us. And man, do we want that peace that surpasses all understanding? We would have a line a mile long if I could say, come on up and you're just going to get this peace. Here's your peace. Here's your peace. It would be a beautiful thing. And God said, but you have it already. But you've got to have a relationship with me to get it. So on one perspective, I want you to understand that if you don't know Christ, we are here for you. And we want to help you with that decision. We want to educate you, walk with you, talk with you, pray with you. Um, we're going to have just a moment at the end that we're going to be outside of the building. And we'd love to talk with you if you're here physically. If you're at home, you guys can also reach us through our online platform. You're going to hear about that in just a moment. But if you don't know Christ, you cannot have a true, genuine peace. It comes down to perspective. So a couple weeks ago, I shared with you guys in my family, we got to go to a, a, a river house is what it was to kind of get a break from everything. And we're playing a game called Chinese Checkers. Everybody played this game before? Um, we were reintroduced to this game um, actually from Nancy Davis not too long ago. And we're, we're playing this game. There's six of us. And it's a game with marbles. And the perspective is, is it, the goal is to get from this side to this side. But, but it starts out you've got six different colors of marbles, one color marble per team member. And then you, you get this chaos in the middle of the board that you can't, I mean, how do I get over there? Because you can jump here, but you can't jump. And you're looking at it like, I, I can't figure this thing out. And then what I realized helps is if you just stand up and, and you change your perspective and you kind of get a bird's eye view of the board and you can look down and go, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so there's purple, 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 blue, blue, blue. I'm green. I'm going, ha-ha, boom, 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 boom. You can kind of see your way through. It's about perspective change, right? The problem is, is we're going through a crazy time and, and when we sit down here and, and please forgive me, but we wallow in the filth, right? And we're watching the negative headlines every day, and we're participating in the complaining and the frustration and the hurt and the anger, and all of a sudden we are gripped with fear. We're not going to have peace. We're just not because your perspective's off. 
But if you change your perspective and you rise above that, like Paul was able to do, and Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and he's saying, listen, I want you to read this for the whole church. And he gets up and he unrolls this. And he goes, rejoice in the Lord always. And they're going, rejoice. Let me say it again, rejoice. And he's telling them, we, we don't see it right away, but when you look into the meaning of those words, what he's telling them is, man, things are crafty on the outside, things are crafty on the inside, but can we not lose perspective of the fact that Jesus went to the cross at this point, just, just maybe 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, and we've got to realize that what he did on that cross, it trumps everything we're going through. Everything. It does not matter what we're going through. It's a perspective change that when we know Christ, we can truly know peace. And it's a peace that doesn't make sense at all. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now. We thank you so much for who you are and, and what you're doing and how you're involved in our lives and how we don't walk this world alone. Father, I, I, I thank you for the fact that in the midst of chaos, I mean, in the midst of a, a full pandemic, we can walk around with peace in our hearts because we can know that regardless of what happens in this world, our joy and our peace is not based upon the circumstances around us, but only on what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can truly understand that we have your grace, and it was grace that we didn't receive because of something we did, and we sure didn't deserve it, but you gave it anyway. And Father, right now, I pray for anybody who may be at home or in this room who's wrestling with that relationship, that they don't know who you are, or maybe you've been distant for far too long, that they would finally make that decision in the midst, uh, in the midst of COVID-19 breakout 2020, that they would understand that you're still here because Paul says you are near. Father, I pray that they feel your presence. Father, we love you. We thank you for all you do in our lives. In Christ, and we pray. Amen. Wow, what a great message from Pastor Tom Wilson. Listen, if something stood out to you either this week or last week, we want to hear. Visit our website, re.church, and you can fill out a prayer request form. And we want to hear those prayer requests, we want to hear those praise reports, just anything that can help us with our podcast ministry here at Reclamation Church. And if this was your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, Again, visit our website, re.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplain. Join me on Thursday for our discussions episode where we talk about Tom's sermon, Guarded by God's Peace, and we take some practical truths from that, some biblical truths from that, and we apply them to our everyday life. I can't wait to hear you guys, what your prayer requests are, and I can't wait to see you guys for our discussions episode. Have a great rest of your week.